So the handsome prince married his beautiful bride, and they all lived happily ever after. Do you believe in fairy tales? I say fairy tales, it's a bit deeper than that. It runs in our cultural bloodstream. It courses through our literature, our music, our films, our deepest values in life. We have this belief that when the girl and the guy get together, that is it. That is the ultimate, the happiest of happy endings. Jesus tells us why we have that sense. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 2, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. In this parable, God is the king, Jesus is his son, and the kingdom of heaven is a wedding feast. It is a joyful celebration thrown by the Father for his son. Here is the meaning of life according to the Bible. The Father loves his son Jesus and invites the world to enjoy Jesus Christ with him. In 2011, we saw another royal wedding. William and Kate invited 40 kings and queens, 50 members of the royal family, 60 governors general and commonwealth prime ministers, 200 members of the government, parliament and diplomatic corps. Uh, but they also invited Kate Middleton's grocer, butcher and postman, her pub landlord, and three other friends, uh, 300 other friends of the couple. Gentlemen were required to wear uniform, morning coat, or lounge suit. Ladies were required to wear a hat for the wedding service. Um, some of them were a, a little more uh, outlandish than others. I'm looking at you, Beatrice and Eugenie. Um, Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but those were the requirements, the, 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 the dress code for our modern royal wedding. In biblical times, uh, life was even simpler for the recipients of invitations. Servants would come and take your RSVP personally. And if you wanted to go, the right clothes were provided on the day by the host. Therefore, really, there was no excuse for not showing up and not being dressed for the occasion. But the shock of Christ's parable is how people respond to the king's invitation. Verse 3, he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I've prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. You can understand the, the, the anger of this king. I mean, the servants that he sends are first met by indifference, then mockery, and then violence. I mean, just think to yourself, if you are faced by a, a free invitation to a feast, you have to hate the king and his son very much to kill the inviters, don't you? This is high treason. And yet Jesus is simply retelling the Old Testament story here. I don't know how you would characterize the Old Testament. Jesus characterizes it as a wedding invitation. But it was an invitation met with violence. Prophet after prophet invited people and prophet after prophet were met with hatred and opposition. So then, of course, verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Here is a prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred in AD 70. Those who kept refusing the prophets also refused the Son. One generation after killing Jesus, Jerusalem fell, just as Jesus here predicts. But this is not the end of the story. 
Verse 8, Then the king said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and, and, and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall, the wedding hall was filled with guests. After AD 70, the doors of the kingdom are thrown open and the welcome extends to bad and good, uh, diplomats and butchers, princes and prostitutes, celebrities and criminals. The father will celebrate his son and will celebrate with everyone who wants to join in. It will be an eternity of feasting and joy. It will be the happily ever after we all long for. But this parable doesn't end with that happily ever after. Jesus brings everything back to earth with a bump to discuss the case of a single invitee who misses out. Verse 11, But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was there not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. One man at this wedding feast was not wearing the appropriate clothes. He has refused to put on what has been provided. It's, it's a black tie supper and he comes in in board shorts and a Hawaiian t-shirt, you know, a Hawaiian shirt. He has refused to acknowledge this occasion. It is a snub to the father and the son, and he is cast out of the feast. Heaven is a party, but it's not any old party. It's God the Father's celebration of his son. The many who are called are not called to a place of abstract blessing and general pleasures. The chosen are those who don't merely celebrate the supper, they celebrate the son. The very essence of the kingdom is a love and honor for Jesus. If we don't want to acknowledge Jesus, then we may be called, but we are not chosen. But then why would we not acknowledge Jesus? Especially when we understand the lengths that he has gone to to invite us. In the story, he sends servants, but in the Gospels, he came in person. Jesus is God's personal invitation to the feast. And everything he does beckons us in. On the cross, he voluntarily took our judgment for heavenly high treason. The great bridegroom got bound hand and foot and dragged outside of the city. The royal son of the father was cast into outer darkness with weeping and wailing and the angry gnashing of teeth. And Jesus suffered hell to bring us heaven. He was cast out so that we could be brought in. He was rejected so that we could be chosen. Do you ever worry about whether you are chosen? The whole world is called, summoned to Christ, but are you, am I, chosen? Well, the story focuses our minds in the right way. It's not about wondering whether we belong to a secret heavenly guest list. It's the far simpler matter of whether we belong to God's people, here and now. The man at the end of this story didn't belong. He was careless about the king and the kingdom. He didn't receive the free wedding clothes. He didn't belong at the feast. So, of course, he didn't belong among the chosen. Those who are chosen, in Jesus' sense of the word, are the opposite of this man. The chosen love the king. They honor his kingdom. They are happy to be clothed by him. Do you want to know if you're chosen? 
Don't try to pry into some heavenly secret guest list. Just look to Christ, your bridegroom, who offers you his kingdom, who clothes you with his righteousness, and who calls you to come to the wedding banquet. If you belong to him, then truly you belong to the chosen. Mm-hmm.